Well, good morning, Harrison Faith. Oh, it is good to be in the house of the Lord today. Thank you for coming and sharing in this awesome day we get to have today, worshiping our Lord and Savior. Got a few announcements we want to make you aware of today. If you haven't already, uh, we have a, a special uh, uh, blessing going on in the in the lobby. Informed choices. We've got some baby bottles back there. We started having those on Mother's Day. We'd love if you haven't already, grab one of those on your way out today. Uh, put all any spare change. You can put dollar bills or more in that as well as a fundraiser for informed choices. And then we want you to bring those back on Father's Day here in just three weeks from now. Uh, and uh, we're going to be able to bless informed choices and as we partner with them. going to be an awesome opportunity for that. So if you haven't done that already, please do. And want to remind everyone as an honor of uh, in Memorial Day tomorrow, the church offices will be closed tomorrow, but they will open back up on Tuesday morning uh, at regular time, uh, ready and to rock and roll. So everybody ready to worship this morning? It's a glorious day in this place. Anybody grateful for what the Lord has done in your life? Come on, put your hands together. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? Oh, it was my
This morning, welcome those around you into Harrison Faith today.
happens. We have to take that step for the victory to happen, believing deep down that our Jesus will give us the victory. I'm not alone today, and I want to hear it from all of you. There will be, there will be victory here. There will be, there will be victory here. There will be, there will be victory. Come on, church. Worship you. 
worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You're moving in our midst. Come on, church, sing. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. Working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Way make miracle work. In the darkness, my God, that is who I see. miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who
Come on, church, sing. Let him hear your voice. Sing out. Yes. Is he your way maker today? Sing that again. Way maker, way to him even when i don't see it is he working in you today even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop He's a way maker in the darkest hour. For those of you that uh, are friends with me on Facebook, you've seen some posts over the last few weeks. 
There's a little boy that's near and dear to my heart. Family, when I lived in North Carolina, that adopted me as their own, as a second family. The youngest sister of that family had a baby boy about a year ago. They knew going into it, there were gonna be all kind of complications. I can't even tell you the number of surgeries that he went through with his heart and everything over the first three, four, five months of his life in the hospital. And over the last couple of months, he's been doing just, it's been miraculous to see God's hand in this family's life and see him just healed and just moving forward in that, had a stent placed in his heart and moving forward. But the days around his first birthday, complications began to happen. And they had to take him to the hospital. His little one-year-old body was just so swollen. And a couple of weeks ago, they were preparing for a surgery again on his heart to go in and check the stent. I don't know all of the details of whatever else was happening. This surgeon was just an incredible, just literally the hands of God for this family and for this little boy all the way across the board. And this little boy... They began to prep him. His name is Bryson. They began to to prep him for surgery and take him off of the sedation medicine. A couple of weeks ago, late on Sunday night, and we received word on Monday that as they were taking him off, they were afraid he was brain dead because there was no movement. After a year of fighting and surgery after surgery after surgery, This surgeon who has just again been a godsend walked into Lisa's room and and the whole family and spoke with him. And for the first time in this process, he walked in dejected with no hope. He said, we're going to have to just put this surgery on hold today because we're afraid he might be brain dead. We don't know what the next steps are going to be. He looked at him and said, I'm going to be honest with you, for the first time ever, I don't have a plan. I don't know what to do next. But we're just going to have to wait and let his body rest and see what happens. That night, they held a prayer vigil at one of their local churches and people across the nation. Many of you have seen the post and have been praying for baby Bryson. We prayed and prayed and prayed and believed. 24 hours later, a nurse walked in and did the normal check on the baby's foot and it got a little twitch. And I thought, what? Another day later, he began to open his eyes. They called him in at like three o'clock in the morning and his eyes were beginning to open. They were seeing signs of life. They did a CAT scan and His brain was active. This surgeon that literally days before was sitting in the room and saying to them, every option leads to death. There's no hope. I don't know what else to do. And days removed from that, he walks in and says, not only do I have a plan, but I got a backup plan too. We're going into surgery tomorrow. The surgery was unbelievably successful two weeks ago. They were blown away. Surgery 
for those that know he went on an ECMO machine as part of that and that's a difficult thing he is off of this ECMO machine his heart is beating like it's supposed to be beating complete healing is happening in his life he's not out of the woods yet but there's power in prayer there's something about coming alongside someone in your darkest hour and saying, God, you are the only one. This doctor who has, has, has gone through years and years and years of practice has no idea what to do, but you do. You are the way maker when there seems to be no way. And that same God that we prayed and believed for baby Bryson and miraculous healing is taking place in his life is the same God that's here in this place that we're worshiping today, that we're believing today. So I want to ask our prayer team to come forward. If that is you today, if you have any need in your life, I want you to come forward and believe with this prayer team together. Believe and say, God, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like or the next day or the next day, but I know you are my way maker. I know you're my healer. I know you're my provider. I know that you are in complete control when I have no control. So if that is you in this place today, we serve a champion in this place that wants to, to bring healing into your life. So if that's you in this place, come forward and agree together with this amazing prayer team and body of so hard to see it. It took me so long to believe it. That you choose someone like me to carry your victory. Perfection could never earn it. You give what we don't Battle you won. I 
on, if you believe that today, sing this out when I lift my voice. When I lift my voice, then shout. Every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority. Come on, sing it out. Jesus has given me. being the lamb in us loving us like you do and caring us for us like you do that holds us in those deep dark moments providing strength and encouragement you are so good to us you are so good to us
You're so good, Lord. We praise your name, Jesus. We praise your name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We praise you, Father. We glorify your name. Amen. Amen and amen. Man, we serve an awesome God. I just love the way he loves us. The layers of our God. The faces of our God. That meets us right where we are. No matter where that is. Whether it be a mountaintop that we get to raise our hands and lift our heads and sing his praises and shout or we're in the deepest valley in the muck and the mire our God is strong and mighty to meet us where we are we serve an awesome God what an awesome God we serve amen and amen you may be seated in this place this morning Thank you again for coming and being a part of this day today. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. I just, it's my favorite day of the week. I don't know about anybody else. I just enjoy not only being in the house of the Lord, but being in this house with you. We're grateful for you choosing to be here with us today. If it's your first time, there is a, a connection card in the seat back in front of you. We'd love, if you would, to take a moment and fill that out for us with information. Our pastoral team would love to have the opportunity to connect with you this week. Um, if you are not new, you've been coming for some time, we would love for you to also either sign your name on that card and put it in the offering here in a few minutes, or you can sign in on our church app as well. Uh, in addition, uh, we, we want to make sure you know, but just an incredible opportunity. If you have any prayer requests, whether you came down for prayer a few minutes ago or not, on the back of that connection card is an opportunity for you to write in any prayer requests that you may would love for our pastoral team to pray over. They come in on Tuesdays right here in the sanctuary and pray over each and every one of those. And we would love uh, to have that opportunity uh, as a team to, to pray and believe together for those needs and believe with you for those needs. So uh, if you have a time or have a need, please fill that out for us. Today is a very special day. As many of you guys know, this is a wonderful weekend, Memorial Day weekend, an opportunity for us not only to celebrate and have time together as a family, I uh, hope that you're able to do that, but we want to take a moment and celebrate the real reason uh, that this holiday exists and is a part of it. And so we want to honor those those fallen soldiers or first responders, those that have literally given their all, sacrificed it all. And so in doing so, we would love if there are any family members that are here today, if you are here and you are a family member of a, of a fallen soldier or a fallen first responder, we'd love to take a moment just to recognize you as a show of honor and respect for that incredible life given. So if that is you, please stand just for a moment. We would love to love on you and, uh, and honor you today. Yes. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you. Please stay standing. This isn't what this day is necessarily about as far as Memorial Day, but I also want, we want to celebrate and honor our veterans that are here as well as a sign of love and respect and the incredible solidarity that comes along with those that are in military service and first responders. If you have served in any branch of the armed, uh, armed services, armed forces, or as a first responder, we ask if you would to stand along with them and stand together today. All right, church, stand together. Let's celebrate them and honor them together. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You may be seated if our ushers will come forward. Father, we praise you and thank you yet again in this day, in this moment. Lord, we thank you, God, for these incredible lives, God. Lord, that they literally gave it all for this country and for the amazing American people. I thank you, God, for their service and their commitment to God and country. Lord, we just pray today over this offering, God, that you will bless it, God, and let us continue to raise our focus and our love towards you in it all. In Jesus' name, amen. How do we say thank you to those who gave everything? How do we honor the men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom? We say thank you by remembering. Today, we honor our heroes. Lives given, not in vain, but with purpose. We stand grateful for their courage, their strength, and their resolve. For the fabric of America is stitched together by the thread of the brave. Today, we remember, and we will never forget. It's important to never forget, right? It's so easy for us to forget things. Uh, you remember when 9-11 happened, they were, we just right, never forget, never forget. I remember going down the road and seeing it everywhere, and, and now it feels like 9-11 was just something that happened not too long ago. It's so easy to forget things. Aren't you grateful that um, we'll never forget the Word of God, never forget the sacrifice, never forget the cross? That's why Christ always says, do this in remembrance of me. We remember what he's done right for us. Uh, I just want to, before I move on to my sermon today, I just want to give you a few updates. I want to say thank you, number one, because uh, we've had some needs around here at the church um, in terms of facility, and we, and we cannot address those needs without you guys' faithful stewardship. And so what I want you to know, number one, is that 
We no longer are operating off a hundred person capacity for our septic tank. Are you, can I get an amen? That's big. That's huge. Now, if you were picking it up, you know, you would, you'd probably be more, more um, climactic about that. But um, we've, got a, we've got a septic tank installed now. We were, we were a bit behind. Um, need to get that updated. And so we, we got that done. You probably saw some work out here. Uh, the offices are almost done, which means we can move our pre-K over, which means we can expand our nursery. And if you're a nursery worker, you're saying hallelujah, all right? Because I know you ladies and fellas, you work back there, you need some room. We're trying to stack the dominoes again. All of that is just because of you guys' faithfulness and your uh, tithes and your offering. And matter of fact, yesterday we were able to build uh, a shed for, the, uh, for Hope Cottages, uh, for their storages. They're trying to make more room. They need some uh, storage. And uh, I think Eugene and Larry was out there. John Barron was out there and Clint. They were out there yesterday uh, building that storage shed. Guys, thank you so much for doing that. Um, last week, we looked at uh, the Shoes of Peace. I've been, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I really do appreciate the, uh, um, this spiritual warfare series. It's been, it's been so timely for, for Scott Brandon. And so I hope it's been the same way for you. I feel like the, as the weeks go on, I'm getting a bit more armor on me, uh, a bit more strength behind me. Um, I'm not ready to call out the no devil, but, I, but at the same time, I'm, I'm standing upon his word. And so uh, last week, we kind of uh, began the, um, the, the look at the shoes of peace. Here's a few things that we said. We said that we realized no matter how mighty the soldier is, no matter how great he is, if he doesn't have good shoes on, it don't matter, right? If you're, how, how many of y'all were at home last weekend and your feet hurt and you realize, you know what, it does matter? Uh, we had graduation last weekend, and at the end of that day, I'll tell you what, I was glad to get off my feet, and I'm sure some of you parents in here said, yes, amen. But we also said that peace is having confidence before God and courage before man, that peace is confidence to stand before God knowing he's no longer your enemy, and it's courage to stand before your enemy knowing that God's not one of them. And so peace gives us that assurance that keep. Uh, that peace is also the bond that keeps us in unity with each other. We said if we, if we don't allow peace to rule over our heart, we allow what? Anything and everything to rule over it instead of peace. So it's important for us to find peace. And if you're looking for God's will, find God's peace. You'll find God's will. And so uh, two things we started off with last week. We said it's important is solidarity. Uh, we need to stand together as the church. Amen. And, um, and, and peace will help us to, to maintain that. We need tenacity that when the enemy comes against you, you hold firm, you stand firm, regardless of his charges, regardless of his accusations, because you guys do know he is the accuser of the brethren. He has come to lie, and when he speaks at all, he speaks his natural tongue, which is lying. And so we need the tenacity to hold our ground, and today we're going to talk about assurance, we're going to talk about negation. We're going to talk about dominion. Let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, we ask, God, that you would uh, open our hearts and our minds to your word. Father, thank you that you've equipped us, that you've not just allowed us to walk out there, God, on a hope and maybe a prayer, but, Father, you've given us real tools, real weapons to combat 
the enemy. God, we know, God, that our wrestle is not with flesh and blood. We know, God, it's with, with principalities and, and, uh, and evil and rulers, God, and authorities and those wicked schemes that they devise against us, God, because really they hate you. And the best way to, to attack you is to attack the things that you love, and that would be us. And so, Father, thank you for clothing us, for equipping us, not just to maintain, not just to be able to endure, but, God, to conquer in peace and in power. Father, we ask today that you would give us that kind of spirit in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I remember sitting in my, um, my grandpa's backyard, and uh, it was me and Julie were sitting back there, and we were just swinging. I just thought about that. We were just swinging. And uh, honestly, like, you know, it was one of those nights where it was like, like the sky was full of stars. That's not normal in the city. You know, you don't get to see stars. And so I remember seeing how many stars there were, and I was like, man, this is perfect. This is an awesome night, you know? And I remember thinking, I knew I was going to marry Julie. And, and um, she asked me, she says, what are you thinking? And I didn't have a thought to give her. I just knew I had never been at more peace in my life. I, I just said, I said, I don't know, Julie. I feel like I'm just like, I feel like I'm at home. Like, this is just home. You know, I never felt that before in my life. And so when it came down to me asking uh, you know, um, her to marry me. And of course, I said yes when she asked me. Uh, no, but when, I, when it came down to it, um, you know, many of my friends like, bro, you sure? Bro, you sure? This is for life. This is for life, Scott. And um, man, there was just a peace, right, that surpassed every understanding that I did not have. I just knew that she was the one. And, and that enabled me to say yes, because that yes and that peace Help me survive, survive. Help me to endure. Help me, uh, I'm missing words this morning. Uh, help me to um, <laughs> make it through, I don't know. To enjoy all of life's challenges. Uh, I'm so glad Julie's in the nursery today. She'll just have to skip this one. Um, enjoy life's challenges and, 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 and circumstances because when I look back to the hardships that Julie and I had, what I realized was is that there was just that abiding peace that she was the one, right? And so, and so the person was never the problem. The problem was always the problem. And it was that same peace that assured me of who she was and that I was to be her husband was the same peace that when I asked the Lord, I remember sitting on my couch and we were filled with anxiety and Julie and I were praying about whether or not we should come and, 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 and let our name run here and put a resume in to come to this church and and uh, we were just, it was just gripping because we were not used to that type of situation. But I just, again, remember the Father just speaking peace to my life. And, and I knew that no matter what challenges or, or trials or, or things that may come in, in pastoring, I knew one thing, I had his peace. And so that the problem was never, you know, um, the people or the calling or the ministry, you know, you always have challenges in ministry. You're supposed to have challenges in ministry because we're taking back things that belong to the enemy. You'll always have those things. You better have those things if you have any kind of effective ministry. But I knew that I needed that peace so that way I would never second guess my decision. And I, and I hope that for you, that you have a peace that, you, that you've felt before. Something you can reference and say, mm, is it like that? Is it that type of peace that lets me know the problem is just a problem, but I know where I'm supposed to be? And so this is the type of 
piece that Paul is alluding to when he's talking about having on the, the shoes of the gospel of peace. The first thing we want to talk about is the assurance that the Roman soldier had. The Roman soldier had uh, shoes on, which was in two parts, the greaves, and those greaves allowed that Roman soldier to go anywhere he wanted to go. Because as he would go off path, oftentimes he would come across briars and thickets and all kinds of other things that would scratch up his leg. In fact, it would lacerate his leg and cause him to slow down because it would bleed out. And so he could, go, he could go places that nobody else could go. He could go places that the enemy didn't want him to go. But because he had the assurance that he was protected, because he had the assurance that he could move faster, uh, going a different way, because he had that assurance of knowing that he was going to be okay, that he was able to take ground, he could move forward. I appreciate the fact that we could hold our ground, but the Lord has not called us just to hold ground. The Lord has called us to take ground. And so, and so here we see the Roman soldier having the ability to move forward and take back things or take new things for the kingdom. And he did that because he had the assurance uh, of, his, of his weaponry, knowing that he was protected. Also, he had the assurance that if the enemy ever forced him off the path that he was used to, he knew he would never be uh, detoured. He would just be delayed. And so I think it's important for us to understand as well is that, that we need to have a type of peace in our life that brings assurance. So that way when we do get knocked off the path, have you ever been knocked off the path of peace before? But knowing that you're still going to make it to the destination. Do you have that type of assurance? Sometimes I've talked to people who don't know Christ and they are overwhelmed by the anxiety of being knocked off the path of peace. You and I are called to the path of peace, but that does not mean life understands that. Life will try to throw it at you. And so today, as we talk about the assurance, I want you to understand that the ability that we believers have by way of peace to take new ground, to take new ground comes in the form of assurance that peace provides. So let me ask you is what is it in your life that you need to take back? Or to establish new. That decision that you're trying to make, you're trying to discern whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. Where's your peace at? Where's your peace? Where's your assurance of moving forward? Jesus' disciples had the same problem. And they they knew they were up against some big stuff. And Jesus understood that. And so he wanted to speak into their life right before he was about to depart them. He He says in John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so when he said, peace I leave with you, you have to know that Jesus was about to be arrested. He was about to be tried and scourged and then crucified. And he knows that he's about to leave the disciples by themselves. He knows they're about to be disbanded and and be discouraged because he's not there. No longer is his presence there. No longer is the teacher walking with the disciples. And he understands there's going to be a problem because there's something that's missing that they need. If they are disciples, they need a teacher. And so he says to them, my peace I leave with you. But most important, what I want you to understand here in this moment is simply this, is that as, as, as he's getting ready to leave, He's speaking to the very fact that, that he is going to leave something with them. His peace. 
Did you know there was one more thing that Jesus left with them as well, and that was the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit came to teach, and the Holy Spirit came to be the presence that he, he was not there when, when he was gone, that, he would, that would be there for him. And so what we see is simply this, is that peace was the confirming aspect of the Holy Spirit, that they knew that, he was, that, that the Holy Spirit was there to teach them and to instruct them, so that way when they came to another decision in life, they had the peace to move forward. Since they didn't have the teacher to say, no, that's not how you're going to do it. You're going to go this way. Now they had the Holy Spirit teaching them. And with the Holy Spirit, they had peace to come along beside them. I don't know about you, but that peace is so powerful. And that Holy Spirit is so powerful. Where would you be if you did not have the presence of the Holy Spirit? Where would you, not, where would you be if you didn't have the peace that, that gives us uh, an allusion to the promise that he's given us? That peace is so fundamental for Scott Brandon. I hope it's the same thing for you. Because I know that when we go down the paths of life, we had decisions. We have, we have heavy decisions. Not just whether I should not do this or not do that. Lord, should I stop doing this? Is this really a sin? You, you know, not those decisions. But decisions that say, Lord, if I put myself out there, I'm risking it. I don't know if everyone else is on board with me, Lord. My family is trying to talk me out of it. But there's just something about your peace that I have. And that peace is what I'm talking about this morning that gives you assurance. The Lord says, I need you to move forward. The Lord knew the disciples had a hard road ahead of them. He knew that through them he would establish a church. Every single piece of ground that they were taking would be new ground. And he knew it would not be easy. That's why he said, my peace I give to you. But I want you to know about peace is simply this, is that peace enables us to be as confident as the disciples were who experienced the presence of Jesus. If we make a decision that that peace gives us the same confidence the disciples had when they were with Jesus. Do you know that Jesus, when they, when they, were, they came to arrest Jesus, uh, Peter got bold and they came to take his master. And when they did... Uh, he whipped out his sword. Now, I don't know if you've studied that context too much, but at least the, the minimum amount of Roman soldiers to come take Jesus away was about 500. And when they asked him if he was who he said he was, Jesus said, I am, but it was the profound way of saying I am. He said, I am, like God said, I am, when Moses asked him to say, who should I tell them is sending me? And God replies, I am. And Jesus says in a way that no other scripture has ever alluded to. But in this moment, Jesus says, I am. In other words, I am the same I am that spoke to Moses in the desert. He says, I am. And when he said that, he said it knocked everyone off their feet. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Peter, I'm pulling out my little four-inch sword too. I don't care who you are. The I am is next to me. I don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what's about to face me. All I know is I know I'm outnumbered. I know I'm outpowered. But it makes no difference because you all you did was ask him who he was and he told you who he was and you felt defeated. So let me go ahead and whip out my sword and get to cutting somebody's head off because I know I'm covered. I got assurance. 
That's the kind of assurance that, that, that Peter had. He, he had a peace because, because Jesus is our peace, right? And his peace was staying next to him. He wasn't worried about no man. He wasn't worried about no empire. He had none of those problems whatsoever at all. He had confidence and steadfast faith and peace knowing that Jesus was with him. And I'm praying that the same thing be for you. When Jesus says, my peace I give to you, you should have that same kind of confidence. Because that was the same kind of confidence that they needed. John 16, 33 says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus knew the disciples were up against some big stuff. But he says, don't worry about it. I've said these things to you that you what? May have peace. Because why? Because in this world you're going to have tribulation. Do you know that the enemy hates the fact that you have peace? He doesn't want your peace. You know why? Because he hates you. Why? Because the world hates you. Really because they hate Jesus. Because you are not of this world. You don't belong to this world. You belong to a different kingdom. They hated Jesus first. And Jesus said, you'll have tribulation just because of the account of my name alone. You can claim, you can claim to be a follower of Buddha. You can, be, you can claim to be a, a follower of Farrakhan. You can claim to be a follower of High Krishna or any of those other crazy names. But until you name the name of Jesus, you don't know what tribulation is. You don't know what trial is. And so just know the hardship that you're enduring may be very well only because of the name that you sided with. So take courage this morning. It's what he says. And finally, Jesus says in John 14, 27, he goes, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Do you know that when Jesus stepped down into time, Jesus came at a time in man's history that, that was unlike any other time because no other time in history had man accomplished peace to the greatest ability of man's attempt. You see, when Jesus was born, he was born during the, the time of Pax Romana. You probably heard me say that before. Pax Romana was the, the rule and the law of Rome that says peace. Peace, they had, no, they had no major wars. They had minimal conflict. They had freedom to move around the whole empire, which was a major empire. And they did that for 200 years. 200 years. Now, America doesn't even know what that looks like. Nobody in history knows what that looks like. And so what you see, you see Jesus, who is peace, steps down in the midst of man's best attempt at peace and says, let me show you what real peace is. But Epictetus, he was a first century writer, said this. While the emperor may give, give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart, for which man yearns for more than outward peace. Isn't that true? that we yearn more for the peace with inside than we do on the outside. And Jesus knows one thing, that the world is good at giving us tribulation, but Jesus is good at giving us peace. The world tries to stabilize the outside, but Jesus stabilizes the man or the woman. 
That's why we need his peace. Why is there tribulation and trial? Why is it important for us to understand these things? Because, because as the things come toward, in fact, I would just say, I don't know when. I saw a video on the internet the other day. It's, you know it's true. But I saw the video on the internet the other day, and it just simply said this, is that we're probably one year away from all hell breaking loose, you know. And so I, I've heard that for probably a long time. But every year I'm looking forward to it. But, but next year could be the year. Next year could be the year. Now, I understand my mom told me that too when I was six. But I do know this, is that if next year is the year that all hell breaks loose, are you ready for it? No, no do you really have peace? Do, do, are you really okay with, within a, a night, an overnight decision that the government looks at you and says, you're public enemy number one. Why? Because you sided with the name of Jesus. Are you okay with that? Do you have peace with that? Do you have peace with them coming to get your family? I know some of y'all say they may, they may die trying or I may die uh, trying to let them. But let me just ask you, if it costs you that. You know, in Rome, when they, when they took Christians, they would come, they would take the father, and they would make a, a deal with him. And they would say, if you would, if you would renounce the name of Jesus among you, then we will not enslave your wife and your daughters in the brothels. We'll not force them into sex trafficking. All you got to do is renounce the name of Jesus. Can I tell you, that's persecution like we've never known before. Like we've never known before. We've had our rights denied. We've been talked about. We've been mocked. But we've not been sawn in two. We've not been thrust through with the sword. We've not been tortured. We've not been impaled. We've not been burned alive. We've not went through real persecution. And all I'm asking is, is do you have the peace to endure those things? Are you ready for those things? Listen, if all I, I get in life is cancer and that's it, then I'm okay. I can, I can die and a happy man, but I don't need the enemy coming after my family, or the people I love and I can't protect. Let what happens to Scott, what happens to Scott. But don't let the innocent suffer. And I, what I'm asking you this morning is, is, do you have that kind of a peace? That kind of assurance that says, in the face of the enemy, I'll still proclaim the name of Jesus to be that name which is among every other name given under heaven that we can be saved by. It is the King of Kings. He is the Lord. He is that name. And I'll not change or renounce any kind of faith. Do you have that type of assurance this morning? So let me ask you is where do you need assurance that provides peace this morning? Has the enemy robbed you of your confidence? Has he robbed you of your assurance? Has he robbed you from your peace to move forward? You're in a stalemate. You won't, you won't take that step. You're scared to leave that job. You're scared to make that change. You're scared to say, what is it that, that, you're, that you're scared in doing that you don't have assurance and peace over? What trials and tribulations have rattled you? What things do you need uh, from the Lord, rightly peace, that enables you to make uh, a step forward? Perhaps the reason why you can't move forward is because you don't have the peace with God. Or maybe you don't understand why this peace is available. Let me just tell you this. You need to know the only reason why you have the peace of God is because you have peace with God. You cannot have the peace of God until you have peace with God. And that brings us to negation. 
Negation through the cross is simply this. It's God's act of canceling the record of debt that stood against us, and by it we have peace with God. Colossians 2, 13-14 says this. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling or negating the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing to the cross. What is peace with God? What is peace with God? It's important to know that we're talking about a certain type of peace. Ephesians 6.15 says this, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the what? The gospel of peace. The gospel of peace, the gospel of peace is in fact peace with God. Ephesians 2, 14 through 16 says for this, for he himself is our peace who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Have you ever felt the wall of hostility with God? Have you ever went into prayer and as you went into pray, you realize, I don't know if he's listening. Or maybe it was differently. Maybe it was, I don't know that, I don't know that I really want to pray. Maybe I still got some frustration. Maybe I still got some anger. Maybe I still got some discouragement. But whatever it was, you couldn't put a name on it, but you just knew that you were discouraged to some degree. But there was a wall of hostility. Let me just define hostility for you. Hostility is better better described as enmity. And enmity means an enemy of or at war with. And it denotes from where the hostility arises, which is hatred. That you have some Hatred in your heart. Well, you say, well, Pastor Scott, I don't know if I ever got hatred in my life or towards the Lord. I don't know that I hate him at all. But the thing is, is that when we don't love him, it's not that we um, remain neutral to him. The Lord asks us to draw. You either love me or you don't. We can't just remain neutral to him. He's either God or he's not. We can't just ride the fence with him. He's either holy or he's not. He's either demanding or he's not. He's either judging or he's not. There's no neutral ground. And so so if we do not love God, then we have to hate his commandments because his commandments condemn us, if not. We have to own up to him. And and honestly, as I read through this, I want to just expose the list of sins that I see in Scripture just so we can once again define what sin is. Because I feel like we've gotten so soft and so gray and so mediocre and that in our sins that we don't know what real concrete sins are anymore. We, we, just, we just say, well, I don't know. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I'm a black and white kind of guy. I need to know what's right or what's wrong. I have a hard time with the middle. I have a hard time riding the fence. I need to know where you are. I need to know where I'm at. But most importantly, I need to know where God thinks I or knows where I am. And if I'm not where he wants me to be, if I am in fact in sin, I need to know that. And the, and the Bible makes it very clear for Scott Brandon to know if I'm living in sin or not. Because my truth is not my own. My decisions are not my own. For my life is not my own. I did not create my essence. And so as we see Paul talking about what hostility is here, he does give us some hope. He says that even though he brought down that wall of hostility, he says he abolished the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, 
soul making peace, and might reconcile. I wish we had time to talk about that word reconcile. Us both to God uh, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility, which is the war or the hatred of being God's enemy. And so let me, just, let me just ask you a question. Do you know, maybe you don't, but do you know if you're God's enemy? Do you know if you're God's enemy or not? Does, does, that, does, that, does that cause you to think for a second? And say, man, if I look at my life, do I really live like I'm an enemy of the cross? Do I really live like I'm an enemy to God? Let me just tell you, here's how you know if, if you're not real sure. Romans 8, 7 says this, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. That's how you know you're an enemy. If your mind is set on the flesh, it's hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Uh, this is a different translation. It says this. This is so because the corrupt nature, your, your mind, has a hostile attitude towards God. It refuses to place itself under the authority of God's standards. You see, being an enemy of God has nothing to do with your problem with him. It has everything to do with his problem with you. You may say, well, I don't believe in God, so I don't have a problem, or I don't really understand God, so I don't really have an issue because I don't really seem to be that much of a fact. It doesn't make a difference because it's not a matter if you have a problem with God. God most definitely has a problem with you. Well, what did I do, Pastor Scott? You were born. You were born. You were born. You know, I've heard that, that saying, people say, Man, I can't help the way I am. I was just born this way. And I want to say, you're exactly right. You were born rejected. You were born broken. You were born in iniquity. We were all born sinners. That's the reason why we sin. There's no other way to, to catalog that. The What you do is wrong, but you only do what you do is wrong because you are wrong. And since you are wrong, your life speaks against the righteousness and the holiness and the faithfulness of God. Until we realize that our life speaks against his name and his character and his provision for our life, namely through the, the, the cross of Christ, that until we resolve that, we are enemies of God. Can I, I just want to make sure I'm clear on this. If your life lives as if he is not God, you are his enemy. And hell is waiting for you. Waiting for you. Wishing for you. Got your room ready, ready to go for all eternity. Only because... Not, not because those thoughts that you thought, not just because those, those words that you said, not because those actions that you, no, because your mind is set on the flesh and it lives in denial that he is your creator and your God. And for that basis alone, you are in contempt. But thank God, thank God, there's more to come, right? Thank God there's more to come, but not yet. We're going to get there in just a second. Paul says this. I'm talking to the enemy of God this morning. Romans 5, 9, he says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. I want you to know that salvation is from the wrath of God. Romans 5, 9, from the wrath of God. You thought being saved meant to go to heaven? Well, not really. 
You thought being saved meant to be blessed? Well, not really. You thought being saved meant living your best life now? No, not really. What it really means is to be saved from the wrath of God. All those other things are secondary and tertiary. Those things are great. I thank God for his blessings. Thank God that we get to spend eternity with him. But you understand that the reason why Christ died is because he had a problem with you. The father had a problem with you. And he gave his only begotten son because he loved you. He wanted to reconcile the problem with you so that his wrath would not fall on you. That's the reason why Jesus uh, was bleeding through his eyes and his pores because he was sweating blood because he did not want to take on the wrath that you deserve because he knew that the wrath of the father was coming for him. That was the wrath that you and I were saved from. We weren't saved to have a nice house. We weren't saved to have great friends. We weren't saved to have a great job. You weren't saved for any of those amenities. You were saved from the wrath of God. And if you never experienced the wrath of God, it is enough. It is enough. You walk like that. Does that, that not alone give you enough peace? Knowing he saved me to have peace with God. So even if I don't have the peace of God, I just need you to know I'm okay with having peace with God. Man, and just so you know, I don't care what you've done. I don't care why you did it. I'm not throwing stones at you. What I know is when I look at it around this room, I know that Romans 3.10 tells me this, that none is righteous, no, not one. So don't think for a second that the preacher's preaching at me because he's high and lofty and holy. He is not. I am as unrighteous as you when I was acting like you. I was just as much lost and did not have understanding. I didn't see God. I turned aside. I was worthless. I didn't do good. Yes, I was even one of those people. So when I say an enemy of God, I live that life as an enemy of God. But thank God, that thank God that even though after Scott Brandon has sinned and I, as all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we are now justified by his grace as a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. You ain't got to work for it. You ain't got to show up seven Sundays in a row. You ain't got to hit your spiritual righteous check boxes. And matter of fact, if you're living life to maintain a Christian loyalty to the, to the word of God so you can feel good and have a self-righteousness, just go home and sin. Because if this ain't a real relationship, if it's not a real relationship, please, please go to hell with flames on. If this, is, if this is the closest to heaven you'll ever get, then please sin with all your might. But if this is as close to hell as you'll ever get, then what are you willing to endure? What are you willing to endure knowing that this is the close as to hell you'll ever get? I pray you have peace. That reminds you that I have peace with God. No matter how hard it might be, no matter how crazy it might be, no matter how many hate me, no matter how many are against me, it makes no difference. I have peace with him. And because I have peace with him, I have all the peace that I need from him. Question to you today is, do you have peace with God? In, in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to respond to that time. To find peace. 
Maybe some of you, you don't have peace with God. You know that because the wall of hostility is looking at you in your face. But for some of you, you struggle because you have, you have repetitive sins. You have repetitive thoughts. Condemnations constantly coming back to you. It's reminding you what you did. That you thought you were alone. You thought no one saw. But the enemy knows. And he brings it up to you over and over and over again. And you feel like you've lost your peace with God. I want to make sure today that you, you have that. Here's what I want you to know about peace with God. Is that peace may not cause the enemy to fear your ability, but it will cause them to fear your authority. When you have peace, here's what we know. When you have peace, the enemy knows he can see you all decked out, and your spiritual armor speaks of something greater than you. It says you belong to a kingdom who has a king. And so as he sees you clothed in your breastplate of righteousness and your, in your belt of truth and your shoes of peace, that says, the king is not my enemy no longer anymore, and he's given me a sword, and he's given me a helmet of salvation, and he's given me a shield of faith. What he realizes is this. You may be the weakest soldier in the whole regiment, but you still are representing all of the kingdom, and all of the kingdom is coming against him this morning. That's why it's so important for the church to remain in solidarity, to maintain unity and the bond of peace. Because there's some young brothers and sisters that don't know how to fight these fights. But that's okay. Put them on the line next to us and let's go to war. Peace develops your ability while walking in his authority. And the last thing is this, is the worship team comes back up. <coughs> it's simply this. We make a stand. We make a stand for something. That when we stand, we don't stand because we've been told what to do. We stand because we stand on what we believe. There's no reason to fight. And there's not worth something fighting for. What we do is we fight for dominion. The last letter in stand in D is dominion. Rightfully so. All this matters because of the dominion that you and I are trying to establish. The soldier fights for the establishment of the kingdom, for the rule of the king. We, we stand for something. Romans 14, 17 through 19 says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace. Can I say that one more time? Let us pursue what makes for peace, for mutual upbuilding. If we're going to establish the kingdom of God, if we're going to serve Christ, then the prerequisite is pretty clear. We are to pursue peace. We are to mutually upbuild each other. Paul says this in a bit more of a lofty way. Matter of fact, Jesus, let me just allude back to this. He says in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The sons of God don't know what hostility is. The sons of God don't know what wrath is. The sons of God are constantly going throughout to and fro, reconciling all of creation to the creator. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. He says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling 
which is a transactional word, it's an accounting word, reconciling, taking what's over here and putting it over here, the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You and I are ambassadors. I hope you have peace that gives you assurance because as the disciples went out and established dominion and the kingdom of God, because they had peace with God, they needed the peace of God and assurance to go out and to reconcile lost men and women to the kingdom of God. Are you a reconciler this morning? Is, is that your focus? Are you a peacemaker this morning? Are you a peacemaker this morning? I think sometimes when we hear all the stuff going on in the world, our hearts are not bent towards peace. I feel like, yeah, I'm a peacemaker. I'm about to get my sword out and make some peace. But that's how man makes peace. Jesus says, I'm establishing a kingdom of peace by reconciling man back to his creator. This morning, just a couple questions I want to ask you. Is are you at peace with God? That's the first and foremost question I need to make sure you guys are sure on. Is do you have peace with God? Because if you don't, I'm telling you, hell is absolutely real. And hell is absolutely waiting for you. But maybe you do have peace with God, but you're struggling with the peace of God. You're still in a place of indecision. You're, you're still trying to figure out what's my next step. Should I make my next step? And you just don't have that assurance just yet. So that's you. I, I want to invite you down to the altar this morning. If you would stand with me, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I want you to let the Holy Spirit do what he does. And just speak to you. Let him pull on your heart. If you don't have peace with God, come find me. I want to pray with you personally. Father in heaven, I ask you, Lord, today, speak to your son and daughter. They don't have peace with you, Father. And I know that your heart, Lord, is to not be at war with them. But you are. You can't let them defy your name. You can't let them mock their char your character. And so I pray, Father, that in this moment, that in the grace and the mercy that you gave me and so many others of us, Father, in this room, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would extend grace and mercy today to that person, God, who needs to be at peace with God. Father, draw them. Bring them to a place of reconciliation, a place of peace. Even if it's all over again for the thousandth time, it makes no difference. God, I pray that they do not leave out of here without your peace today. And God, lastly, I pray that person, Lord, who's in a place of indecision, they don't know what to do. They need you to show them, guide their steps, lead them. And I pray, God, you would give them the assurance that your peace brings. 
knowing that you're right there next to them, God, like Peter knew you were there. They have the confidence and the trust in you to take on whatever army is in front of them, whether it's Hale's army or this world's army or whatever it might be. I pray, God, you'd give them the assurance, God, to take ground or take back ground by the peace of God. I ask it, Father, this morning in Jesus' name, Lord, would you do your work? I pray. Amen. Would you come this morning? so long to believe it you choose someone like me to carry your victory perfection could never earn it give what we don't deserve and you take the
afternoon that you'd remind us God that there's there's no obstacle there's no problem there's no past sin there's no past shame it's nothing too great God that your sacrifice your blood God doesn't overcome I'm so thankful Father for where sin abounds grace much more abounds I'm so thankful Father that everything that I needed to happen Father you already did I just got to walk in faith and receive everything you've given to me. And so I pray, Father, that whatever this week beholds for us as a church, pray, God, we would walk in the power of peace, knowing, God, that there's no problem too great, there's no issue that's too crazy or too out of control for us, for we have peace with God. Who could stand against us so long as you're not our enemy, God? then we don't care who the enemy is. We just want to make sure we're standing next to you when you declare yourself to the world that you are the great I am. We pray, Father, you'd watch over us. Bless our family. Cover us, God, with your peace. In Jesus' name, we pray. All God's people said, amen. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your Monday tomorrow. We'll see you Wednesday. I have the Jesus has given me
Come 